Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Uh, my grand plans of an ADP analysis Monday were sort of uh, flushed down the old potter with almost nothing going on on the ADP front. Little bits here and there, but it certainly won't make for an entire episode of Fantasy NBA Today. Sports Ethos presentation. I am Dan Bespris. Thanks, as always, for hanging out with us, everybody. Quick reminder here at the outset of the pod that today is Monday, and Monday, uh, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm trying to get a mock going in the over on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash sports ethos. And there is one today. I actually did it before popping on to do this one. Why, you might ask, what kind of Maniac, why would Dan be possessed to do the mock before the recorded show? Well, it's because I got home from dropping kids off at school and I had to run a couple of errands this morning and I already had regular daytime clothes on. And so I thought, well, this feels like as good a time any to just throw a hat on and do the mock draft. And then after that, I can change back into what I call podcast attire, which is um, an at-home shirt picture that however you will and flannel pajama pants i'm quite comfortable now thank you very much comfortable enough to do a recorded pod i do still have the uh old draft board behind me i didn't have the wherewithal to take that out in between the live show and the recorded episode but thank you so much for hanging out with us everybody it's been a really fun month of august we've been diving in i think we've been, we've done more this august pretty much than any time previously this month just with the added mock drafts and the added episodes and the YouTube stuff and I'll try to keep that going the rest of this month and then it's just going to be a a constant ramp up basically between now and the start of the NBA season and then it's just redlining until like late March so get ready to feel tired everybody that's what's a coming also on the docket today After we talk a little ADP stuff, we'll get back into this whole, like, and again, I've lost track of what numerically listed bucket we're in, but it's the bucket that has lately been coming right after Devin Booker. So the Mikhail Bridges, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Freddie Van Vliet, Demonis Sabonis, Trey Young, probably James Harden is all in that group. I don't know, I keep changing it ever so slightly. We talked Donovan Mitchell on Thursday of last week. We talked Mikael Bridges, James Harden, and Freddie Van Vliet on Friday. Uh, So today, I'm guessing, and this will be based a tiny bit on how long it takes us to go through some of these little minor ADP tweaks, uh, but I'm guessing today that we will discuss Demonis Sabonis, Trey Young, and then this kind of gray area player that this year is Desmond Bain, before you get into the next chunk, which uh, starts with Larry Markkinen, who's very much the beginning of the next group. As far as ADP goes, the top of the board remains almost exactly the same. Joel Embiid has slid a little bit closer to Luka Doncic, who's in that number three spot. Those two are kind of converging on late twos, early threes. Still think Joel's going to go ahead of him in most drafts, but anything is possible. Steph remains ever so slightly ahead of Shea, Gilgis Alexander in that battle for this 6-7 draft slot. And then there's a massive drop-off before you get to Damian Lillard. Interesting note, and I tweeted this, and I, I thought it would maybe have more traction than it did. Um, the largest gap 
in early ADP data of anyone inside the top 70 is between Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Damian Lillard. Between picks six and, or picks seven and eight. That's crazy when you think about it. There's some others that are like 70, 80% of that distance, but that's the biggest right now. You almost, and almost, I'm not sure almost is in there. You almost never see someone from behind that very thick band jump above it. And you almost never see folks above that thick band fall below it. Very rare instances it happens would be someone like a Giannis who leaps forward. Someone's doing a punt build. Or you might see, uh, we saw Shea actually fall a little bit in the mock draft we ran earlier today. So it happens, but it's rare. That's, that's the significance of that gigantic band that just seems to get wider. 2.8 is the gap right there. Anyway, other little tidbits here. Giannis is gaining ground. His ADP now moves into single digits for the first time this year at 9.9. This continues to be in the face of his pre-rank, which remains at 14 for now. Yahoo hasn't done their next update there. Uh, When they do, we'll make sure to reanalyze that. But we figured this would be the case. Giannis has the traditional punt build, which is always going to be someone that in first rounds gets a push up the board. Because teams are going to lean into that. It's not as, like, I like Giannis as a punt build guy. He makes a ton of sense in that regard. But at the same time, we also need to be cognizant of his recent missed games number, which is kind of going the wrong way. But I don't want to get too sidetracked in why someone is where they are. KD, Anthony Davis, LaMelo Ball, that's all been pretty registered um, Anthony Edwards has moved in front of Jaron Jackson Jr., who's fallen all the way down to 14.9. He still sits in front of Kyrie Irving, and then Devin Booker is kind of the back end of that Dame through Booker nine-player grouping we talked about over a few shows last week. Uh, next group of players, Mikael Bridges still leads the pack, but Donovan Mitchell is gaining ground on him. Interestingly, Desmond Bain is the next ADP in that board, uh, but there hasn't been a whole lot of Tweaking there, I think Trey Young is a little bit earlier, marking in a little bit later, so there's kind of a small gap appearing between those two players, and that actually, uh, I think, is reason enough for us to probably include Desmond Bain in this this next, or this this current group that we've been talking about uh, before you get into this Larry Markkinen, LeBron, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, Cat, and then there's another little gap and this is kind of how we're going to break down the groups because Victor Wembanyama is the front end of the next one. He's in there with Paul George, Pascal Siakam, Jalen Brunson, DeJounte Murray. Uh, and then it's not clear that there's any real banding from that point on. It's uh, You start to get into more, I want to say free-for-all because guys are generally going in this particular area. But the list of players that all could kind of go together... If you take the front end of that, like you're not going to see Cat going behind Jalen Brown, but there isn't an obvious gap anywhere in between those two players. Obviously, it's more likely that the player with the earlier ADP is going to go towards the front end of that group. The player with the lower ADP is going to go towards the back end of that group, or later ADP, I should say, as opposed to lower. But you don't have those big separators 
the rest of the way, maybe like one here, Evan Mobley to OG and Anobi is kind of a separator. You're not really seeing Brandon Ingram go ahead of Mobley. But again, there's just so much indecision or non-consensus the rest of the way that finding a, a medium, small to medium-sized gap between two ADPs is really more, I think, happenstance. And it'll probably be gone if when we check this again next week in favor of some other weird little gap. I will say that the biggest gap of anyone inside the top 100 is the gap between Derek White and Clint Capella. Strange, I know, but that's where it is. That's a gap right now of 3.2. So there's a clear delineation that ends with Derek White and starts with Clint Capella, and that's way the hell down the board, but... It exists, so we had to at least take note of it. And that's kind of all the ADP stuff that's happened so far. What was that, like four or five minutes of it? That's fine. I don't want to stretch it into more content than it actually is, but there were a few things that began to trickle in, and uh, so we covered them. But I think more importantly today, let's go back and uh, let's talk a little bit more about some of those players in whatever the hell bucket we're on. Again, I've lost. You guys want to Roman numeral this sucker out for me. We'll count it out on today's show. Jokic is in his own. Embiid and Doncic are kind of sliding into a second bucket together now. So that's a little bit of a new thing. At least in terms of ADP. This is an ADP bucket. This is not necessarily a players I'd want in a particular order bucket. Um, so the Embiid-Doncic bucket now is something. Uh, Tatum-Halliburton... Is probably your third group. Shea and Steph is your fourth. Uh, Dame pretty much all the way through. Booker is your fifth. And so that puts us in the sixth bucket here. The remaining names in the sixth bucket, those that we haven't covered yet, are Trey Young, Demonis Sabonis, and Desmond Bain. On Thursday, I said we were going to go through these players in order of how they finished last year, and then I promptly didn't do that. But we're going to go back to that now. And so, between those three players, Trey gets his butt kicked. So he's last. Sorry, Trey, you're going last. Desmond Bain had a really good stretch before he got hurt, and then the rest of his year was kind of up and down. So, the first player we're going to talk about, now that we're through our ADP portion of the proceedings, is Demonis Sabonis. And before we do that, I want to remind all of you guys that the NBA Draft Guide is coming likely by the end of this week. The initial launch, it will have 50-plus pieces of content on the very first version, and more than 50 more coming after that. The Brewski 150 is not in the initial Draft Guide drop. I want to make sure everybody's aware of that. No matter what subscription you get, that comes out closer to the start of the season, but... These initial bursts tend to have player profiles, team previews, off-season reviews, strategy guides, beginner guides, things of that nature. It's a really cool start to the draft guide season. And the, ring I br the reason I bring that up is, once again, because when the draft guide drops, prices change. This is your true last week chance to lock in the old price for life. The All Sport Fantasy Pass, just $7 a month right now. 
And if you get it and don't turn it off, it stays seven for you forever. If you wait like five days, it's probably going to be $10. That's foolish. There's a six-month lock. Save $18. Get it now. And your excuse is like, oh, well, I'd love to get the extra five days towards the end of it, or I want to get it close to the start of the season so it lasts me all the way to the end of the regular season. Guess what? You can spend an extra $7, and you're still saving $11. Get an extra month. That's at sportsethos.com. Click on the premium tab and get premium today. Of course, you can also get the other options. If you get the HoopBall 360 package, I call it HoopBall. It's the Ethos 360 package. That includes the Brewski 150 at the earliest release date, which is uh, just under a month before the start of the season. Uh, the other ones, the different subscriptions get it at different times. It's kind of a reward system, obviously. That's all available over at the Premium tab. Let's talk to Manus Sabonis, uh, who, from a fantasy standpoint, has been a stalwart. 79 games last year, 19 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, not many defensive stats, not a horrible number, not gallo low, but 0.8 steals, 0.5 blocks. That's kind of enough to survive the bad defensive stats. He's a small negative in both, but nothing substantial. Terrific field goal percent, not great free throw number. That does hurt you a little bit. Relatively high turnovers because he's also getting so many assists and doesn't bother to shoot the three ball, which, in my opinion, in this modern NBA, is fine. I want my center to bolster my field goal percent. I'll get my threes elsewhere. For Sabonis, it's worth pointing out that last year was, by all accounts, his best fantasy season to date. It was basically his highest free throw number of his career, which for what it's worth, has been remarkably consistent. Considering how many guys in the NBA have free throw numbers that bounce around like a pinball, Demonis Sabonis, free throw numbers, and I'll include the two different stints between Indiana and Sacramento in, in uh, not this most recent season, but the previous one. The last, call it uh, seven-ish, I think it's seven, six years, seven destinations, Starting in 2017, listen to these free throw numbers. 75, 72, 72, 73, 74, 74. That was, those two 74s were actually the two split year. Uh, and then 74 again. I think it's fairly safe to say that he's going to shoot about 74% at the free throw line. And then the question really is just how often he gets there. But guess what? That's remarkably consistent also. Because his free throw attempts have gone 3, 4, 4.8, 5.3, 5.5, 4.9, 4, 5.5. Wow. That is unbelievably consistent. It's not that important for what we're talking about here, but when you find a statistical anomaly, which is, in this case, anomalously consistent, I think it's worth pointing out. Field goal percent has bounced around a little bit more, uh, and it hasn't been too tied into what the shot attempts are like, although his number of threes has gone down since coming to Sacramento, and not surprisingly that helped a little bit, but nothing substantial. It was really just that last year he shot twos better. The threes have had almost no impact on anything. Can he go 61.5% from the field again? Um, it's possible. It was unseasonably high. It was a good offensive team, so that helps. They were getting out. They were blitzing folks. They were running, shaking, and moving. 
Field goal attempts were a little bit lower for Demonis, uh, but it didn't impact things very much because the assists were higher, career high in assists at 7.3. My only worry with Sabonis, and maybe it's unfounded because if you go through most of his seasons, overall, he's been relatively healthy. Uh, 62 out of 72 during each of the two COVID seasons. The Indy Sacramento year was uh, less terrific he played only 62 out of 82 games but he's back up to 79 this most recent season and if you go past go back past COVID he was at 74 74 81 so generally plays through stuff I am a little bit worried this year about the Kings as a whole they were unbelievably healthy last year almost everyone on the team De'Aaron Fox, I think, was ever so slightly under this mark. But almost every big-minute guy on the Kings played 85% of their team's games or more. They were remarkably healthy. And that type of thing just doesn't really happen just because of the odds of it two years in a row. Is it going to be Sabonis? I don't know. Could very well be somebody else. Could be Fox. Could be the Young Guns. Keegan. Could be the Old Goat in Harrison Barnes. You know, it might be multiple players. Sabonis is still relatively young. He just turned 27 a couple months ago, so you don't have to worry about the toll his legs have taken. And he tends to play through stuff. He's also uh, a bruiser, big dude, 7 feet, 240, 250. And he's not an elevator, so you don't have the whole, like, how is he going to land from flying through the air stuff. That's helpful. Those things do tend to create a little bit of a, a pathway to that 10th category. And I think when you draft him, you can feel better about him in that range on a games played standpoint than a lot of the guys around him. Does that necessarily mean it's going to hold this particular year? It doesn't. But are the odds better, say, of Sabonis making it through the season than like Freddie Van Vliet? Probably. Odds are, I'd say more than 50% of the time, you're going to get more games out of Sabonis. You run this simulation a million times, that kind of thing than James Harden or Freddie Van Vliet or whoever we're talking about in this range. So then it all comes back to one question, which is, would I draft this player at pick 17? Because that's the where this group begins. Uh, Devin Booker was the end of the 8 through 16 group, and we're still trying to figure out what the exact front end of the 17, 18, 19, 20... 21-22 group is here. I think we did we settle on six names. Bridges, Mitchell, Bain, Van Bleet, Sabonis, Harden. Oh, I get, yeah, wait. <laughs> Oops. Bridges, Mitchell, Bain, Van Bleet, Sabonis, Harden, Trey Young. It's seven names. So it's uh, pick 17, not through 22, through 23. Yeah. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly. The go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits 
then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Right. Okay. Dan, you should have probably edited that out. But I think sometimes it's nice for you guys to hear me stop and realize that my brain is on the fritz. Would, is Sabonis a viable draft pick at pick 17? I think the answer is yes. From a per-game standpoint, odds are he's not going to get there. He had a brilliant fantasy campaign last year, and in 9-cat, he finished at number 21. But the difference, and it's not it's not negligible, the difference between 21 and 17 this past season actually happened to be like somewhat substantial. There was kind of a jump there, because uh, James Harden was kind of like the end of a run of guys, and then Sabonis was in that next grouping. So yeah, on the per-game side, there are a whole lot of places for this dude to go. Sabonis, I think there's a very real chance that he puts up pretty similar numbers season over season. 19-12, does he get to 7.3 assists? Maybe not. Maybe that's high sixes. Little things here and there. Could the steals go from 0.8 to 0.9 or, or 1.0? Yeah, little little fluctuations can occur. And I would argue that it's actually probably more likely than not that if he goes in either direction, it's probably the downward one. But that damn 10th category, folks. Sabonis is number 8 by totals this last year, and that's relevant. Especially in a head-to-head format. You know how when we talk Roto, we talk about how there's more value in using your 100th pick... If you have pick 100, there's more value in getting a guy who's top 60 that plays half a season than a guy who's top 100 who plays the entire season. In Roto, that's true. In head-to-head, there's an argument for both sides. Because in Roto, you just fill in the games they miss. Because you get, what did I say, 40 games out of a top 60 guy, and then you just wheel and deal. You stream the other 40 games into that slot, your 82 games cap, And when you roll all of that together into one totals monster, it's better than if you had just had 82 games out of a top 100 guy. On the head-to-head side, you don't get to make up the games missed. Now, some of that does come down to how the games are missed. If you have someone like a Kawhi Leonard who just sits one game every single week, that's actually much harder to deal with than someone who has a two-month injury in the middle of the season and you just stuff them on an IL slot. That's easier to handle. Because with Kawhi, you can't put him in IL. IL plus, maybe. And I do suggest every league in that every head-to-head league has at least one of those. Because then you're not waiting for three godforsaken missed games to pick up a replacement guy. But, again, discussion for another podcast episode. Actually, one we've already done, like, four months ago. Go back and turn back the clock. Go full Peabody style. Quiet, you. And head back to April... And go listen to the How We Fix Head-to-Head Leagues episodes. I'm trying not to get derailed, people. You guys know how much I struggle with this. I'm trying not to get derailed. But on the head-to-head side, when you get into that top echelon, which we're still talking about here, 
someone like Demonis Sabonis, you'd rather have 79 games out of a top 25 guy than 59, 62 games out of a top 12 guy. And the reason I picked 12, I think 12 is actually an audacious call here because I don't know that any of these guys we've been talking about ends up inside the top 12 per game. But let's say... Let's say James Harden ends up in a perfect spot. Like, uh, what would that even be? He's not going to a bad team that's trying to get an extra six wins out of this year. Let's say James Harden goes to Chicago, and DeMar DeRozan gets moved for youth, and it's Harden and Vooch and God knows what else, and he's happy because he's playing for a contract at that point. And let's say James Harden goes old-school James and just has the ball in every possession. Yeah, he could be a top-12 per-game guy, but... If he's playing that many minutes that long, he's probably not going more than about 63, 64 games. So, what's your comparison here? By the way, this is assuming we already know where Harden is. Do you go Harden at 17 and say, all right, well, I think this dude's going to be top 12 per game and he's going to play 62 ball games? Or do I go Demonis Sabonis, who's going to be more like top 24, top 25, top 26, whatever, splitting hairs. Here's a hair. Let me see what it looks like if I cut it in half. But he does it for 78 at 82 ball games, 76 at 82 ball games. In head to head, you probably want the guy with the extra 12, 13, 14 games. In Roto, you could make a pretty good argument either way. But head to head, you just can't get those zeros. So, to once again go back and answer the question could you take Sabonis at this spot? You certainly can. Do I like him more than, say, Bridges? Or Donovan Mitchell, I actually think Sabonis and Bridges have very similar how they get to their final rank profiles for this coming season. I don't think either one of them is a top 17 per game guy, but I think both of them probably beat that by totals. And then Donovan Mitchell is kind of maybe the other story. Could he get to top 17 per game? Yeah. Is he going to stay there by totals? Maybe. Let's talk Desmond Bain, who... As much as I want to shift him into the later group, he's getting drafted in this group. So we probably just need to analyze him as though he is indeed part of this group. He finished last year at number 35. But there were kind of pieces to the story on Bain. Remember, he got off to a really nice start last year. Um, and then suffered an injury. And it cost him quite a bit of time. How good of a start was it? Second round. Late second round, mind you, but second round. First 12 games of the year, that was before he got hurt. Bain averaged 24.7 points, 5 boards, 5 assists, 4 three-pointers on 46.5 and 91 splits. When he came back from injury, and this is now where we have to kind of take everything in pieces... Bain had his minutes bounce around a little bit. Wasn't like he was bad over that stretch, but he just didn't get as many shots. That was basically it. Instead of 24 to 30 points per game, he was more at 22. The other stuff stayed pretty constant. In fact, his field goal percent was even higher over the last you know, 35, 40 games of the year. That put him at around number 30. So we've kind of seen two chunks of Desmond Bain. There's the late second, there's the mid-third. 
My hope was that because of his injury last year, people might have not noticed because he had a few games where he was kind of getting revved back into shape where he wasn't as as strong, and that's what dragged his number down on the full season to number 35. Once he got revved up, he was back in that 30 range, and that was largely with John Moran, who did get suspended for eight games in there and blah, 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 but now you've got this stretch of him being gone. Let me answer the, f- the biggest question about Desmond Bain before we even break him down. Is it even reasonable that he's getting drafted in this fifth? Did I say fifth or sixth chunk of players? Again, it doesn't matter. Yes, it is reasonable. But it does kind of feel like Bain is being drafted as though John Moran is out for the season and not just the first third. Because I think there's a very real chance that Bain is a mid-second rounder while Jaw is out. You know, he was at number 23 at the beginning of last year with, you know, a few extra opportunities. I think, was Dylan Brooks out at the beginning of the year or something? I don't know. He got a couple extra shots. Instead of 16, it was like 17 and a half or 18. While Jaw's out, he's going to get 17 and a half, 18 shots per game. Maybe more. There's actually a possibility that Bain is an early second, late first while Jaw is out not inconceivable if he goes out there and gets 20 shots a ball game the stat profile fits it because he hits threes he does it on a good percent he's a terrific foul shooter you know a steal per game nothing overwhelming there but a steal per game I mean could this dude average like 28 5 and 5 with four three pointers for the first month and a half two months yeah but then it's going to settle back into that same range as always, which is more like 25 to 35. So what you have to ask yourself is, how high will he go the first month and a half, two months, when that balances out with the last three and a half, four months, to where he settles in the middle? And can he stay healthy while he's doing it? So that's why the answer is yes. He does actually belong in this group, because if he goes top 12 for two months and then top 35 for four months, that lands him pretty damn close to where he'd be drafted if he's going at the front end of this group. But if he goes top 16 for the first two months and then top 30 the rest of the way, then he falls back towards the back end of this group and maybe in the beginning of the next one. It's weird to say this about someone who is getting a lot of discussion around their name, But Bain in this group is kind of weirdly safe. He's a high-floor guy, and the only thing we don't really know until we see it happen out there in Memphis is what is the ceiling when Ja Morant is not on the floor? Because we pretty much know what he is when Ja is on the floor. He's very, very good, and maybe there's even a small step forward. Have we priced him out here? Probably. But have we priced a lot of the guys out in this group? Absolutely. We priced out Bridges on a per-game basis, maybe not by totals. We priced out Sabonis, as we just talked about, per game, but maybe not totals. Maybe we didn't. We probably priced out Freddie Van Vliet. Almost everybody in this group is kind of priced out, depending on what you're looking for. In fact, I don't know that any of these dudes... If you're looking, again, to, at pick 17, I don't know that any of these guys finish inside the top 17 per game. Someone probably will. Someone will. 
because someone will fall out. But then there's going to be somebody coming from behind him that finishes up there. Like, per game, Kawhi's going to beat most of these guys. Jimmy Butler's probably going to beat most of these guys. There are names back there that, I mean, hell, Kristaps Porzingis might beat some of these guys. I know he's in Boston now, so the role's not the same. But this is a grouping. I talked about how the one before this I thought was hard. This might be the toughest grouping of them all because we all want to chase upside, and there's very little in this chunk of players. We've seen the Donovan Mitchell upside. We saw the Mikael Bridges upside for flashes. We've seen the Sabonis upside. We've seen the Van Vliet upside. We haven't yet seen the Desmond Bain upside, but we also know that it's only for a third of the year. Would I take Desmond Bain as my first choice in this group of players? Poof. Maybe. That's a tough call. I don't think it's quite so etched in stone. My favorite of the group is probably Donovan Mitchell right now. That could change over the next month, depending on what happens with a James Harden. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell feels like the best bet in the group to kind of win the per-game battle, and he's also not completely beat-to-hell injury-wise. He's not perfect. He's not going 78 games like Sabonis is, is hunting for, or Bridges is hunting for 82. Uh, but you know me. I'm more on the roto side, so I'd... Like in that one, if you're like, Dan, can you go close to 70 games of a top 15 guy? Or would you rather have like 78 games of a top 25 guy? I, Roto Games Cap, I might go with the top 15, dude. But there's a reasonable case for Bridges, for Bain, for Sabonis. Maybe not quite as reasonable a case for Freddie Van Vliet. James Harden is an impossible case right now. And tomorrow... We'll finish up this group talking a bit about Trey Young, who frankly deserves like half of an episode because if you're punting stuff, he's a first rounder. If you're not, he could be top 50 or later. He is all over the map. He is the the guard version of Giannis basically at this point. That's not fair, I guess. Giannis was like the worst on earth in free throws, but Trey Young is not all that far away from that. He's hyper elite in four things basically. Well, maybe not hyper elite, but pretty elite in two and very good in a couple more. Is that enough to counterbalance the stuff he's weak at? Also, nine cat versus eight makes a pretty big difference on that one because I don't know if you guys remember this, but Trey Young turned the ball over a little bit last year. So did Giannis. Those two guys were the two worst in the NBA. Your head-to-head darlings of the universe, Trey Young and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Anyway, that's coming up on tomorrow's show. Thanks for listening on this Monday, everybody. Please do go visit our YouTube page uh, because I think you'll have more fun watching me yell at the draft as opposed to listen to it. But that episode will go up later today as well. I try to separate them by uh, about 12 hours, give or take. At Dan Baspris over on xtwitter.com.net.info, whatever the hell you guys know. We can figure it out together. Okay. Have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. So long for now. <laughs>